Hey, um, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for everybody that is here right now. Um, with the weather that it is today, I, I, it was, we sat outside and I told my wife, I, I said, I don't know if anybody will come. Um, it's just so nice after all the snow and all the cold weather, uh, and it was just so warm and just so nice to be out there. And then you have spring break on top of it. Um, I actually am just thrilled to death that you are all here. So thank you so much for, for being here. Hey, I um, want to also thank Mark Marble um, for speaking last week. He did an incredible job, and uh, it's just amazing. Uh, the, I, I learned so much from what he taught, and I hope you did too. And the beautiful thing about it is it's just one of our, our very own. And as I said when I introduced him, I'm super excited to enable and empower people in their giftings. It's one of our pillars, and uh, he's got a gifting to teach, and it was just so great to have him come and share with us. Um, and then the interaction that people gave um, after the message, um, we, are, we are learning uh, every week on how to do this and how to balance this a little bit better. And so I just want to remind you, what we're doing here is, um, since the beginning of the year, we, we've been led by the Lord to kind of enter into a season where we involve you into the weekend uh, service. And the reason that we're doing this is to equip and train you. Ephesians says that the pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, preachers are all here uh, in order to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And so here's um, what we're, we're experiencing in this great experiment is that um, we every week has been so much different and every week has, has brought in new insight and new understanding and the wisdom and uh, insight that you guys have had has been absolutely amazing. And I know for some people it's a little bit of a struggle to kind of comprehend because this isn't church like you would normally have it. Uh, but I want to say thank you for, for participating and being a part of this. Um, we're learning in the middle of this. And again, we are constantly asking God to lead us in how long or or what different ways that he might want us to do this. So uh, we're not saying that we're gonna do this forever and for always, but for right now, this is what the Lord has is, is got us doing. And so I want you to be praying for us, and because um, here's, here's the picture that I feel like God gave to me um, probably about a month ago. And that was, uh, you know, when he led the Israelites in the desert, it says that he led them by cloud during the day and fire by night. And so you gotta picture this. Um, from my understanding, there was probably about two million people. I mean, it says that the men alone, when counted, were right under a million. So if you add women and children, it's about two million people. And they were all established in a proper order. They all had their tents and they all had different assignments and responsibilities. And when that cloud or that pillar of fire would move, they would pack up everything that they had and they got it down to a system. They pack it up and they would just follow that cloud until it rested. And when it rested, they'd be like, have it stopped or is it just, okay, it stopped. Good. And they would set everything up and it could be the very next day that it would happen again, or it could be weeks and months or even a longer season. I mean, they were there for 40 years, but the word says that God led them each and every day by that cloud by day, fire by night. And I just, I, my prayer has been, Lord, lead us in what we're doing and we wanna follow you. And I don't wanna make a sacred cow out of this interaction and the way that we've been doing things, but I do, I, I wanna follow the heart of God. And I hope that that's where you guys are as well. And here's what we're seeing in the midst of this. We're starting to see people 
get um, empowered and encouraged to step out and to do things on their own. I, I have absolutely loved um, when somebody has been bold enough to share and be vulnerable. Um, I have been watching after the service and it has been amazing to me how many people will go to that person and pray for them, encourage them, give them their phone number. I, we've had all kinds of different testimonies of different things that are going on and I would just wanna say thank you because that is the body of Christ becoming the body of Christ, yes? And I think that's what we're supposed to be. And I know, again, I, I get it, I understand it's different. Uh, I, I have people that have been telling me this is the best thing that they've ever experienced in their entire life. Our youth pastor, Peter, keeps telling me each and every week, don't ever change this. this is, I've never been so excited to go to church in my life. And then I've got other people that are like, hi, I just, I don't know. I'm not sure where I'm at with this. I, you know what? Let us know that, please. Please let us know that because we are open to ideas, suggestions, and thoughts. I realize that in the last few weeks, services have gone uh, longer than what we're aiming for. We always aim for about an hour and 20, an hour and 30, uh, and I realize that God has been doing things. I just want you to know, we're still gonna keep aiming at that hour, 20, hour, 30, but if God, we don't wanna hinder or stop God because there's a time, right? I, I was hoping for a bigger amen on that. Um, and I get it. We want to be respectful of your time. We also want to be respectful of our kids' workers. Um, you know, and we have to keep that in mind. And yet we also want to follow the, the Holy Spirit and how he's leading. And it's been amazing. Last weekend on Sunday, I know you guys are the Saturday night crowd, but um, Josh Pruitt, um, the, the Holy Spirit led him in worship, and we went 45 minutes in worship in just the first two songs. So, uh, we didn't add the third, <laughs> uh, just for time, and, but it just extended everything, but it was so sweet and, and such a powerful thing. So we're just trying to, I guess all of that to say, we're just trying to follow the heart of the Lord and pray for us in that, and if you have ideas or suggestions, let us know. Uh, as a matter of fact, with House Church being next weekend, so we will not be here next weekend because uh, of the Seder, um, but we won't have a text uh, email or a, a text with scripture on it, but I do think I'm gonna send out a text next week with maybe a small little survey so that you can give us some input on the, what the last three months has been like for you. We'd love to hear your experience and, and just your thoughts in regards to um, different ways maybe we could interact, different ways we can do this equipping and training. So be thinking about that, and if the Lord leads, um, please, please feel free to respond to that. So this week, we're gonna talk about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And this was a really interesting conversation uh, from the teaching team standpoint. When we got together as a teaching team and uh, I brought up this scripture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I thought it would be just a quick message on, on just you know, being a servant and doing all that. And, and all of a sudden we got all these different ideas and different perspectives from different people in regards to what this could possibly look like. And it was really, really a great discussion. And I'm actually super excited for tonight's discussion because I think it could go uh, in a lot of similar places that that teaching team meeting went. Um, so here's uh, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read through the scripture and I'm gonna ask you to think about this scripture for this first time that I read it through. I want you to think about it through our first pillar. And uh, the first one I want you to think through is the identity of, pillar or the identify pillar. And if you want to, uh, just for a memory's sake, the, the identify pillar is this. 
what God says about you, what he thinks about you, who you are in Christ. And so I want you to be filtering this section of scripture through the idea of who does God say that I am? How does he see me? And I think that uh, it'll kind of color some different ideas and different thoughts about this scripture as I read through it. And so if you will pick up with me, I'm gonna grab my Bible, but if you wanna go to Version, the Bible app, you can follow along, we have it there. Um, If you have your own Bible, you can open it up and follow. We're gonna pick up in John chapter 13. And again, uh, how does this section of scripture fit into who you are in Christ, your identity in him? It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, no said Peter. Can you imagine? Can you put yourself in Peter's shoes just for a second? Can you even imagine this? The one that you just proclaimed, you know, not, not too far away in the, in the past there. Uh, you had just proclaimed that he was the Messiah. He asked all the disciples, who do people say I am? And then he says, who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Messiah. Not too long after that. This is where we're picking up this story. And he, he just can't even imagine Jesus washing his feet, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah washing his feet. And so uh, Jesus goes, you don't understand what I'm about to do. And Peter goes, I don't care, no. Can you see that? I mean, just, can you imagine what, what he was thinking? No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That's a Really bold statement right there. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So (laughs) Peter being Peter, this is what he decides. Okay, if he has to wash my feet, he replies by saying this. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Not just my feet, you wash everything then. And Jesus goes, (laughs) those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean though not every one of you, for he knew that he was, he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Oh man, I just had a, many of you know that I was raised Catholic as I was setting the Bible down. The, 
when the gospel is read uh, in the Catholic Church, they get done, this is the word of the Lord. And everybody replies back, and I just had a flashback to that. That was so weird. Sorry. I had to get that out so that I could, I could move in, move, move on. Um, all right, so when, when you hear that story in light of who you are in Christ, what, what thoughts come to mind? How does this um, how does this story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, the interaction that he had with Peter, and the fact that Peter didn't want him to do this, and then basically said, okay, go ahead and do my hands and my face as well, and, and Jesus is like, no, 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 you just need your feet done, um, and, and then just telling everybody, the disciples, what, what he had just done and what he was expecting. How does that speak to your identity? How does it speak to how God sees you? Is there anything in that scripture that just kind of jumps off the pages that says, hey, oh my gosh, I never realized that's how God sees me. Or maybe it's something that you have always had and understood um, and this just backs up who you are in Christ and how he sees you. And so uh, I've got a guy with the mic back here, Dustin, and I would just love to hear your response. Um, how does this impact or speak to your identity in him? And by the way, uh, just Nicole right here. So by the way, while he's handling that, you can test, text to interact. Now, here's the great thing. If you are a little more introvert and a little shy, um, I say this many times, but they say that people would rather die than speak in public. Um, and so I get that. And so if you want to interact with us, you can do so uh, by texting uh, that number. And then we do have some rules of engagement as we do this interaction. And I just want everybody to just be reminded uh, about those rules and the fact that we need to be quick to listen. Make sure that you listen well to what is being said, that you ask good questions. Um, one of the things that we're experiencing in the last few weeks is that something will prom prompt a question and people are asking questions. And that has been getting the discussion really going incredibly well. Speak for yourself, meaning don't accuse anything or anyone. And then also remember, don't take offense. We're, we're a family together. We're growing. We're trying to figure out in, this in, in regards to tonight, um, what does it mean for Jesus to wash our feet? I mean, what does that really look like? How does that speak to our identity? So if somebody says something that you don't agree with, don't, don't get offended. Use it as an opportunity to potentially grow in the midst of that. But Nicole, I, and then also say your name before you do it, which I just gave Nicole. She doesn't have yeah, to. So. I'm Nicole. <laughs> Anyway, I was reading in the Passion Translation, and what really stuck out to me was the footnote on verse 7. It says, by removing their sandals and washing their feet, Jesus was showing them that he was granting them a new inheritance, his own. The sandal is often used in covenants of inheritance in Hebrew culture. Mm. Every defilement would be removed so that they could place the sole of their feet upon the new covenant inheritance. Joshua 1, 3, and Ruth 4, 1 through 12. God likewise told Moses to remove his sandals, for he was about to receive a new inheritance. It means they weren't just servants. They weren't just friends. They were adopted children. And that's what, I mean, that's what he sees my inheritance is that I have a right to approach him anytime I want because I'm his daughter. You've never seen a, a child approach their parent like, oh my gosh, stranger danger. You know, it's always like, mom, 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 mom. <laughs> You know, and, and that's how God wants us to approach him. Oh my gosh, so good. Okay, I'm telling you, this is one of the reasons why I love doing this right here. In all of my study this week, I had not ever heard that, but it's absolutely right. They would do a covenant and mark it with the sandal. I had never, anybody else ever heard that in regards to that? I, and so in, in light of that, and in light of Jesus washing the feet, 
uh, maybe there was a covenant promise that he was making and helping them realize um, what was about to take place. That's unbelievable. Thank you. That was, that's really good. Because how that speaks to us in our identity is that you have covenant, church. You have a covenant with the Lord and you have direct access, access to him. And because of what he did, we didn't have that previous. And because of what he did and what he was communicating, we now have that direct access. So that's really good. Somebody else, um, how does this speak to your identity? DJ, you want to get the other one too so that he doesn't have to walk all, all the way across? Yeah. Uh, I'm Mark, and um, to me it feels like that pride can come in different forms um, just because, you know, Peter meant well. Um, he was trying to honor him, at least the way I read it. Um, and even, mm-hmm. even after, you know, he said no, and then Jesus corrected him, and then um, he came back again, um, you know, it was it was still pride, but I, I, you know, Peter being Peter, I don't just I don't think he saw that. And for me, um, I see that I guess reflecting. I think outwardly, um, I try and try to be a, a you know non-prideful, very humble person, but inwardly, um, I kind of feel like I'm <laughs> one of the most prideful people in you know, in the world. And and so I guess that's why I feel like again. Pride can come in different forms, and mm-hmm. um, and you know, it's just convicting um, for myself, at least, to just be able to recognize that um, you know we have to see it. I guess from God's perspective, it's like, you know we want to see it from our from our own. That's really good. Um, I, so here's what here's what came to my mind as you were saying that, and and please. Please hear this. I read an article in my study this week um, and there was the thought of this. Um, You are so loved by your father that he would ultimately drop to the lowest place to serve you. Um, and, And this is what the author of the article said. He said, if you don't receive, if you're not a good person at receiving somebody serving you. I, how many of you would rather serve somebody than be reserved, than, than be served? Okay, almost every hand in here, okay? Um, the truth is, oh, let me ask this. At Christmas time, would you rather give a gift or get a gift? Get one, right? Or give one. Yeah, give one. It's more fun to give it, right? Uh, because you can't wait for the expectation. But when a kid goes to Christmas, would they rather give or get? They, want, they can't wait to get. They can't wait to see. And so the kingdom of God uh, is a little flips upside down, a little paradoxical. And um, the article basically said this, if you want to know whether you really are um, embracing this well, is if you will allow somebody to serve you. Because if you serve other people, oh, anybody can do that. And as a matter of fact, you can start getting pride in doing that. Um, But if you are allowing somebody to serve you, that takes a real humility. And I know, um, if you're anything like me, I, I'd, I'd much rather serve somebody else than have somebody serve me. And yet, what Jesus is teaching here is that, yes, we need to be servants, but I think there's an element of our identity that he wants us to understand that he came to serve us. 
And when you begin to realize that and grab a hold of that in your heart, you begin to see and understand, oh my gosh, um, this is not an uh, a angry God who's out to get me and who's, you know, as, uh, was it Bruce Almighty? Smite me, Almighty Smiter, right? I, as it's, that's not the God that we serve. We serve a God that absolutely loves and cares for us and will serve us. Um, and he wants us to grab a hold of that in regards to who we are. Somebody else, how does this speak to your identity? Um, Who are oh, you? Oh, hi. My name is Rosanna <laughs> Pacheco. Hey. <laughs> um, back in the day, I used to be part, a big part of women's ministry, and um, I was involved in planning every month our events and stuff like that. And um, one month, they said, uh, we got it. You know, we're taking care of it. And my friends, you know, in the women's ministry, they said, we got it. We're planning it. It's a prize. It's a surprise. And they didn't tell me. Anyway, so turns out it was uh, foot washing. Okay. Well, my feet, no, are unique. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are. And they really are. And. Like I have, I've been standing around with my friends. They're like, oh, my feet are so bad. And I'm like, no, mine are worse. And then I show them and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> they are worse. No, okay. They are, and they, like, they finally believe me, you know? So all these women have known me for years and years and years and knew that I never wore sandals or anything. And um, so it was a foot washing and I cried. I just, when I knew, I just stood there and cried. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go. And uh, my friend Terry said, I got you. She said, sit down, I got you. And she she washed my feet. And I cried the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I was like so humbled and so embarrassed. And so, and she just loved me. And it just showed me God's love. And how God wanted to, that was, God used her to do that. For me, you know. So good. So. That's good. Um, why don't we like to be served? Change the question for a little bit. What is it that keeps us from actually accepting the service? From makes us vulnerable to other people, okay. What, what else? We feel like we have to pay it back when somebody serves us. There's, man, boy, isn't that true? Uh, e w even if you are okay at being served, there's something about going, okay, well, I can't just hold that. I have to pay it forward, right? I, I'm gonna quickly turn that and serve. And I, part of that is good and it's right and it's true. But what is the motivation behind why you're doing that is my question. Um, okay, that's good, obligation. What else? Why, why don't we receive service very well. I'm sorry? Don't feel like we're worthy of it. Okay. Um, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because the people watching online can't hear you, so I have to repeat everything. But you don't feel like you're worthy. That's, that's a good one. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. 
But I'm just telling you, in this room, I know there are people that don't feel like they're worthy, and Jesus would, would argue and very much beg to differ with you. Um, and I think this story is speaking to how he sees not just the disciples, but to every single one of us in this room. And he's saying, hey, not only are you worthy, but I will take the lowliest form of servitude. I don't know if you know this, but the ones that washed people's feet in that time was the lowest servant on the, on the staff, if you will. Or, I mean, think about in your job, what does the lowest guy, the lowest guy in the totem pole, what does he get to do? And what nobody else wants to do. This is what that foot washing job was. And Jesus put the towel around and said, I'm going to step into that. You are worthy. You're absolutely worthy. Anybody else? Reason why? We don't receive it? Since there's a microphone, I've got to say more than one word. But I think we don't know how to act. Sometimes and uh, culturally, I think in our culture, it's just it's just easier to give than to receive sometimes because we just don't know how to respond. Mm -hmm. And in, in varying cultures around the world, there are there's a different understanding of this. In some places, you you know you refuse once or twice, but you must accept. And then there are some places if you if you refuse, you're really offending somebody. And in our culture, it's just it's just kind of a weird feeling. So I think there's that element. Mm. That's, that, that spurs a bunch of different other questions in my head, like, okay, so how are we supposed to act if we don't know how to act? Um, and I think Peter was, was doing that a little bit. Um, he was saying no, and then Jesus was like, did you guys catch the, the line that Jesus said? Um, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That struck me this week. I mean, here's bottom line and what I put in my notes in regards to my identity, and that is this. We don't have an identity in him if we don't accept his act of service. That's what Jesus was telling Peter. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. And he was saying, look, you don't have all the promises that I have been speaking over you guys. You don't get any of them if you don't let me wash your feet. Mm -hmm. And man, that is humbling right there. Mm -hmm. I, that hit me hard this week and the fact that... Um, I want to be worthy. I want to do things for him. I don't want him to do things for me. And boy, it just, man, it just really struck me. Uh, so the acting thing, that, that good point. Lord, help us to know how to act and how to receive. Um, Dan, so for me, it's like self-reliance. I should be capable of doing everything, so I don't need help. Mm -hmm. um, and so that just boils around to self-pride again. Mm -hmm. That's good. I won't ask for a show of hands on that one either, but... <laughs> Me, I got it, yep. I, when you said that, it, it, I actually had a flashback, too, of growing up that it was better to give than to receive. And it was almost uh, you will give, <coughs> you will not receive kind of thing. Yeah. So then when it came time to receiving, you know, I personally didn't know how to act. Yeah. Huh? That's good. Yes. That's good. Anybody else? Yeah. I'd say like we don't want to be a burden to other people. We understand that everybody's busy and they have their own lives and they have responsibilities too. We don't want to ask anything extra of them. Yep. But there's a, a faith in town that's very good at serving others and they send their missionaries out and they come by our door and they're like, can we help you with something? I'm in my yard and I'm doing yard, 
do you want us to help? We'll come help. And they came and helped and <laughs> shovels and all getting dirty, digging in my yard. And I'm like, we don't do this. I wish we were doing this for other people. <laughs> I mean, I will. I will do it. But they're out there asking strangers. And I wish that we were doing that, like Jesus says. But on that verse you were talking about, my verse, um, my version is new NLT. And Jesus replied, but if if I don't wash you, you won't belong to me. I thought that was really strong. Oh. Mm. Mm. Well, that's good. We don't want to be a burden to others. Um, I, it's funny because I will have a conversation um, with with people, and th- they they won't receive gifts that that have been brought in. Hey, somebody gave you this gift. Oh, I I don't want to tell my and and one of the things that. Uh, has been, I guess, kind of become a little Christianese, is don't rob somebody's blessing. But there's something so true. When somebody wants to give to you or serve you, um, and you don't accept it, you are actually stealing from them the thing that God put in them to do. Um, And so we're all going to stand before the Lord and give an account to how we did things. Um, I want you to remember the next time you need served and somebody comes along to serve you that you're going to be held account accountable to how you respond um and so be very very aware of that i just wanted to say this whole series the last month we've been talking about forgiveness and understanding and turning the other cheek and loving those that don't think the same way that we may not and when we started this um chapter here Jesus knew already that Simon I mean excuse me that Judas was going to betray him yet he washed his feet anyway Mm. it says in here he washed the disciples feet that includes Judas talk about forgiving and humbling so and I'm glad you said that because that totally was one of the things that um, I put in my notes for actually the next section, and so I'm going to come back to that, but go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 keep, let's go. Let's go with what the Lord's doing. Well, I was just going to throw something in off of what she said. Um, I'm kind of sitting with this text a little bit, and this is a wondering. So why weren't their feet washed? Um, (laughs) So I just have this, like, this wondering. Like, here's all these guys sitting around, and they wore sandals, and they walked down roads that were filled with dung, And this was, if you walked into somebody's house, you would have your feet washed. You're not walking into places without getting your feet washed. So first of all, I think there's something to say that they were all in there and nobody took that job. Because earlier they had been arguing among themselves who's the greatest. Oh my gosh. Ooh, and then then all of a sudden it's, we're in the middle of dinner and nobody's got their feet washed still. Doesn't that just kind of... I'm, I'm just sitting with what these two ladies have said, and doesn't that just kind of like make you feel like, whoa, it adds a lot of weight to how Peter felt at that moment, because I wonder if there was something in Peter that went, oh my word, like, I wish I had thought, of, I wish I had done that, I wish I had taken this position and humbled myself. Does that make sense? I yeah, think I that totally, I would feel like, totally oh does. man, I blew it here. So that's just a I'm thought. I'm so that's glad going. you said that because I wanted to. I, I read something this week that I wanted to put in, but I couldn't figure out where to put it. But you have just opened the door wide open for this, um, and that is this: um, 
uh, get a picture here. These disciples, as you just said, um, on the way into the room or right at the beginning of dinner or something like that, they actually are arguing about who is going to be the greatest. Okay, you can find that in Luke. And it, it talks to them about, or it shares the story about them asking Jesus, you know, hey, who's gonna be the greatest? Can I sit? And Jesus answers them and gives them a response that just totally, you know, as Mark said last week, what? I, I gotta serve to be the greatest? I, I gotta be the least? I, I, I don't understand that. Um, and so then they start, to, they start this meal. Depending on what your interpretation of the scripture is, this either happened, this, this uh, foot washing, either happened somewhere in the middle of the meal or at the end of the meal. Um, scholars in my study, they, they kind of argue back and forth between which. It doesn't matter. It happened after they had started eating. And to your point, in most cases, you would have had your feet washed when you very first came into the room. But the story goes that Jesus sent two of his disciples out to go prepare the room, go meet a man that has all the things ready. So they go meet that man, they go get to the upper room, but there is no servants in the room. There is nobody in the room. It's Jesus and the 12 disciples. That is all from the understanding that I have that was in the room. And so here's what the article that I read said. Um, Every single one of those disciples would have gladly washed Jesus' feet. Every single one of them. But it meant that if they washed Jesus' feet, that they would in turn then have to go and wash every single one of the disciples' feet as well. And that would symbolize to them that they were the lowest of the disciples. And so not a single one of the 12 of them were willing to, to do that at all. And so Jesus, through, I'm just musing at this point, I'm not saying that this is from the Lord, but I get a picture of that Jesus is sitting there in the upper room, kind of just waiting to see, eating the dinner, going through it, and then, okay, halfway through or at the end of it, just saying, okay, I have something that I need to share with these guys. I need to show them this. And of course, he knew all these things. But he's like, these guys need to know this last piece before I go to the cross. They need to understand that this kingdom is an upside down, paradoxical kingdom. And so I'm going to put the robe on. I'm going to take the form of the lowliest servant. And I'm going to wash these men's feet. Think about that. And when it comes to how God sees you and I, understand that he's willing to go to the lowest position and places with us in order to be there for us, to comfort us. It's amazing to me how quickly God gets the blame when something bad happens in our lives. And I wanna tell you, stop blaming God. Understand that God is this God that would come and stoop and, and, and wash your feet. I read something else that's talked about the equivalent of washing somebody's feet today is to actually get in with them in the dirtiest part of their life and, and minister to them and serve them in the middle of that. We don't have to wash one another's feet. And a foot washing ceremony like um, that you went through, I, it, it can be very impactful and it can, it can be really meaningful, but I don't think Jesus was asking us to go around washing one another's feet. I think what Jesus was saying is, are you willing to serve and are you willing to go to a lower position in order to meet 
a person that maybe has a little filth, a little, uh, I mean, think about it. As she said, dung and dust. And I mean, their feet were nasty. They probably smelt in the room because nobody washed the feet. Very interesting. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, and I hope that gets you thinking a little bit and understanding what a wonderful and loving Lord and Savior we have. All right, anybody else on identity before I move on? Dan, I'll, I'll share um, just, I think that you've mentioned the, the upside down kingdom, and I think that there's multiple pieces to that. One of them absolutely is that serving, you know, there's a calling to serve. But I think Jesus was, I think something about this story tells me that he was like, I'm the first domino. Like, I am the first of a new generation of mm-hmm. servants who serve not out of lack or not because they are not something yet that they're trying to climb and become, i.e. the person sitting at the table. I think he's saying, I'm introducing a new kingdom where the king of kings is the first to serve. Not because he doesn't have everything, but because he does. Because he says there, because Jesus, knowing who he was, knowing that he had come from the Father, knowing he was going back to the Father, knowing the Father had put all things under his feet, got up from the table, took up a towel, and served. So I think he was even saying, Peter, you think you get it, but you don't even get it. Because until I've stooped down before you and made you great and made you a king, I don't even want you on my team. I don't want slave-minded servants on my team. I want kings and queens mm. who know that they're sons and daughters of the Most High, who aren't serving because they think they're going to earn points with God, but they've been served and their heart overflows and they've been broken and undone mm. at being served by Jesus. And out of that place, it's not a serving you know, that's out of, oh, I should do this. It's out of, oh my gosh, I know how this changed my life when Jesus washed my feet, maybe, this, you know, maybe daily, maybe hour by hour. <laughs> I think he's doing, he's inviting us into something pretty cool there that yeah. can just change how we, how Peter even thought about what serving was, you know? Yeah. And what they thought about the king and, mm, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so that's so good, DJ. Oh, a lot of, a lot of stuff to think about in regards to that even. It's good. All right. I'm going to um, read this section. I'll read it really quick, but I want to read it one more time. This time I want you to filter it through this. Uh, the second uh, one of our pillars is engagement, engagement with God and engagement with one another. How does this story speak to our engagement with him and with one another? It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in process or progress and the devil had already prompted Ju- Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betrayed Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. 
for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, the Lord and teacher, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. All right, uh, question is, how does that change? Does any new thought come into your mind, any understanding, any revelation that the Holy Spirit would give you that would change your perception, per, perception of this scripture through the eyes of how we engage with God and one another. Ed, you spoke to one of the things that really jumped out to me in my research and thinking about this. Jesus engaged, well, first off, it says at the very beginning that Jesus knew the hour had come um, and that he loved those that were, he loved them to the end. um, And it says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come up from God and was returning to God. So, Jesus understood everything that was going on. He understood what the Father was telling him. We know from other scriptures that Jesus only did what the Father told him to do, yes? And so here we are in the middle of this dinner, and I, again, get this picture of God whispering to Jesus through his thoughts going, hey, nobody's washed the feet. Son, I want you to do that. And understanding who he was, and understanding the power that he had and that just all of the things that encompass everything that makes up who Jesus was as man and yet also God. In the midst of that, he goes, all right, the very first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to serve others. I'm gonna engage with the Father and he's leading me to engage and serve others. And the beautiful part is it wasn't just the ones that we're going to be, well, they all betrayed him. They all ran away from him when he gets arrested, right? But Judas actually turns him in, and um, oh my gosh, talk about challenging, and what we talked about last week, how do you love your enemies? Well, here's what Jesus did. He knew Judas was going to betray him, and he still knelt down and washed his feet. And I don't know about you, but that really hit me this week in the fact that um, it's easy, again, to serve other people that like us and that we like, but how are we doing in serving those that maybe we even know are going to hurt us? Ouch. Challenging. Would love to hear thoughts on that or anything else in regards to how does this speak to engaging with God or one another? In doing that, Jesus had a pure heart because mm. he didn't sin. And can, I just can't picture myself. I did, what we would be thinking, what I would be thinking in my head, even if I were to do that, he was pure in the way he approached it without sin. Right. Boy, um, if anybody has any insight or wisdom on how to do that, I would be all ears to hear. 
How do you keep your motive pure when you know you are serving somebody that could potentially hurt you or is going to hurt you? How do you keep the, the and yet over and over in Scripture we see that that's what we're, we're called to do. And I get it, it's a struggle. And last week we actually talked about it in both of our services, the struggle and how real that is, how difficult it really is to, to love our enemy. And in this case, to serve those who are gonna betray us. Um, how, how do you do that? How do you do that with a pure heart? Pray. <laughs> Pray is a good place to start for sure. Anybody else have any? Get you the mic. Um, I'm not good at this, but I'm learning to be better at it. Um, what I do is I just keep, I keep the perspective of Jesus on the cross, because if He can look at people that are sitting there mocking Him, and to put Him there, and He can say, "Forgive them, Father; they know not what they do." And who am I to withhold forgiveness? And it just helps keep me, it just reminds me of my perspective. I've been forgiven for so much that forgiveness isn't an option for us. We, we're commanded to forgive because it releases us from bitterness and, and things building in our heart against anybody else. And that's what keeps our heart pure. So That's good. Anybody else? bouncing off of what DJ said is that we're not doing it for a reward in heaven but we're also like we're just doing it out of a love for God like it overflows out of us and that doesn't come naturally for me I like to work but I want like I want someone to notice that I just unloaded the dishwasher and wiped down the counters <laughs> I want someone to notice that I just mopped the floor for you Adam, you're welcome <laughs> and he knows he knows I'm a sinner <laughs> so, but like <laughs> I just think like if I if I do that picturing that Nicole was talking about if I picture like Colossians 3 do everything unto the Lord as if working for him if Jesus was in this room and I was mopping this floor not for someone in my household to say thank you but for Jesus look I'm doing this to serve my family and you're here and you see this and this is what is best for me it humbles me and I'm trying to get my accolades from God and not from humans and that's what my heart has to be reminded of. Oh, that's so good. Um, could it be, I, this is just a question that just came to mind while you were saying that, could it be that a really good litmus test on how you're doing in walking with God is um, how you process this stuff? Um, meaning that if you're walking in tune with God, I mean, one of the reasons that we don't want to love our enemies is because it's going to... Uh, They've affected us, they've hurt us, they've taken from us, they've stolen from us, well, whatever. Um, and because we have the perception of what we've lost here and now. Yes? And I, and I get it, and I understand people have been through some incredibly tragic and, and terrible things, and I'm not making light of any of those things by any stretch of the imagination. But the story that Mark told of um, the Amish people that actually um, went in and forgave the family of that man that killed those people. 
um, I, I forget what year it was or any of the details of that, but that impacted me because that, that is what the church should be, yes? And, and even inside of the church, there is this, almost this mentality of, um, you know, you need to, you need to stand up for yourself, and there, there's a, there's a line that can't, that if it, they cross it, then, then you don't, you don't apply any of this. You don't apply any of this. And I just don't see that. As a matter of fact, I would submit to you Jesus as our role model and our example. He had it all happen to him. And he didn't, it, it says, uh, I believe there's a, one scripture that said he could have p- called down legions of angels because he had it, had the right to it. But he didn't. Um, I, and I mean, I get it. This is tough. This is tough. But Jesus wanted us to grab a hold of something here when he washed our feet or the disciples' feet. He wanted us to get something in regards to how are we supposed to engage with one another. Uh, My name is Andy. Um, what, uh, what another thing that Jesus was doing when he became when he became a servant and he washed their feet, he was also preparing them so when they were becoming a servant, you know, because one thing we could go by, we could be built up in pride, we could be, think that we know everything and built up, be built up in religion or become a Pharisee. The the guys that were in that room were gonna, you know, he was growing his church. They were gonna go out and spread the gospel. The Holy Spirit was coming, and they're all getting ready to be persecuted. So he was preparing them to to have the right heart for the ministry as equipping them so they can go out and do what he wanted them to do. That's right. That's good. So how does that practically, Andy, how do you see that practically happening today? How does Jesus serve us to prepare us to, to go out into the world? Well, to remember that each one of us is a sinner. When we see somebody, we can't go, I, we, I can't think I'm better than anybody else in this room. Like a nice, like I was a men's group today, I mentioned somebody. I see people as sinners saved by grace. I don't see somebody who's perfect because I don't believe anybody's perfect. The only person that was perfect was Jesus because if we could do it on our own, we wouldn't need him. So he was equipping us that way. I love it. That's good. It's really good. Somebody else. very interesting to me the wrestling that that's going on um, from the story of Jesus washing the disciples feet Um, and maybe it's just because you've never really read it through these lenses um, or maybe really made it very um, oh that was great between Jesus and the 12 disciples but then when you when you start to apply it for yourself all of a sudden you begin to realize uh, well there's a different level that God's calling us all to Um, that he he's saying hey um, this is part of what it is to follow me and to walk in, in my ways. Um, anybody else? That's Jake. Um, the commandments, like the rich young ruler, one through five, he comes and it's, it's very easy, it's very clean to love God, to obey those commandments. But six through ten, 
loving others is dirty. It is, it's difficult, it's dirty to get involved with somebody and know who they are. Like our men's breakfast this morning, getting to know somebody intimately and personally on who they are and see through that and see God's creation in the mm. midst of that. It's good. It's messy. Anybody? It's messy. Uh, it's just messy. Um, I think the church has shied away from the mess a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to challenge you to enter into the mess um, and, and really ask the Lord what it looks like to, to do this and to walk this out. Did you want to say something? You know, I, the picture I was getting in my head is like a water tower in a little town supplying water you know, through the pipelines to each of the homes. And it seems to me like when I read this story and talk about, think about engaging God, engaging us and, and each other, it's like honor is, is a theme, right? I know there's been a book written like Culture of Honor. And it feels like the world is star- starving for honor. Like there's wars started over like, will you step? Will you step? Will you, you know, and it's like, you know, entire country, let alone individuals, you know, on the sidewalk, but like entire countries go to war over, well, you give me honor first. Well, I'll give you honor if you honor me. There's marriages. I mean, how many do we, like, that principle of, like, I'm lacking something, and fine, the minute you give me what I need, sure, I'll I'll turn around and give you what you need, or, you know, but Mm. it's like, who's that, where's that source of honor? And I just love that Jesus seems to be, like, saying, I'm the only legitimate source of honor. Like, we all need it. He's not telling Peter what's wrong, like, there's something wrong with you for wanting honor. He's not telling any of us, like, why do you, you know, you're so full of vanity and pride. Like, I don't think he's saying that. I think he's saying, I know you need to feel special, and you need to feel loved and valued and highly esteemed, (laughs) and that other, you know, that you're served and that your needs are met, and I want to be the first like I want to be your source so that then you're able to when mm. people dishonor you like when it's that you step you step you step you step you can be like absolutely I will step first like absolutely I will give honor first because I've got a secret source of honor you know that the world doesn't know about and I think that that can change the world like that can change a marriage it can change a friendship whatever a town I don't know you know resentment like because it's just a different source. Because sometimes you just get landlocked into like, we're both starved. <laughs> Who takes that first step? If mm. you really feel like, well, that means I'm not going to get <laughs> the honor I need. Versus like, oh, God's willing to like supply me with a secret little pipeline over here. <laughs> I don't know. If that no, that's good. Part. That's, that's really good. Um, does anybody really, would you be a willing to admit or even share or push back on this a little bit anybody in this room that is struggling with what is being said anybody feel like we might be off course a little bit or because I think we're we're all trying to do our very best to hear from the Lord but I, I would love to to just we want to create an atmosphere where we can actually have a little bit of, if somebody's like, oh, no, 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 something's off here, we want that to be able to come out, and there's permission for that, freedom. Well, I, I don't know. Just one thing that's like I'm questioning is I keep going back to traffic. I'm like, 
It would be awesome. I would totally serve like my family or like people in church, but I probably wouldn't want to serve the guy that's driving slow in the fast lane or doesn't use his turn signal. I don't know. And I'm just like, is that like, is that something like, I know that I have like road rage, honestly, but I'm like, is it, are you like highlighting this for me, Lord? Like, you know, I know that's like a, such a quirky thing, but that's what I'm like processing. Like, would I serve this person if I had just got off the highway and was like, the Lord's like, wash his feet. I'd be like, no, I don't want to. So that's where I'm at. Here's, here's my form of serving those people. I've always, for the longest time, wanted to have a series of flashcards in my car so that when I pass that guy, I can go, slow traffic in the right lane and put, put up the sign so I can serve them by telling them the right way to drive uh, in the middle of that. The ping pong paddle, I love that idea. Let, let's create this, we'll make millions of dollars. Sorry, uh, get, sorry. Um, that's good, I, yeah, it's a, it's a struggle. I, anybody, anybody else? I just, I just wanted to share, even though he said that, um, I just wanted to say how, how much, uh, how blessed I was that when my son was going to marry Arissa, he said, Mom, I'm going to wash Arissa's feet at the wedding. And I said, why? And, and <laughs> I, I, I didn't, you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, but I, you, you always hear um, wives submit to your husbands, but he shared the scripture with me. He said, I said, he said, because the Bible says husbands love your wives just as, he said, people don't read the next scripture. Right. And it says, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself. And he shared that with me, and I have never been so blessed by my son. You know? Can you read the verse right before it speaks to the wives? Yes. It says, oh, before it speaks to the wives, uh, Ephesians 5, uh, 22. Yep, says what? Oh, well, I, I just have wives submit to your own husbands. No, right before it, the one verse right before it. Oh, Riss is looking it up. But he I thought you had it right there. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, so um, I teach in the first session of premarital counseling, and I speak it in my weddings. Um, it says that we're supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, that's obviously, it's interesting. Uh, to me, it's obviously linked to the marriage thing, but if you look in some translations, it's actually broken. Um, it actually puts it up with what's above it, and then it goes into the wives and husband, you know, marriage things. Um, whether it's for wives and husbands or whether it's for everybody, here's what the concept is. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you look up the word submit there, it means to voluntarily place yourself under. That's what it means. Look it up. Go to Bible Hub. Look up that verse, submit. It means to voluntarily place yourself under. Church, how are you doing in this? 
how are you doing involuntarily putting yourself under everybody that you come in contact with? And I would submit this. We would have an amazing world if everybody would do this. Would you agree? It would be absolutely amazing if we all voluntarily placed ourselves under. I'm gonna finish with this question. At the very end of it, it says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What are these things? Humility, okay. There's a humility in this, obviously, from Jesus' standpoint of washing feet, from the disciples' standpoint of letting their feet be washed, there's humility, okay? So that's something that maybe we take home with us this week and go, okay, I need to let others serve me. I, I need to be okay with it. I need to humble myself. But other people might go, I need to humble myself and put myself under and serve others. Um, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What are, here? Oh, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. what are these things? Um, shoot. S- Go ahead. Say that part again, though. But, like, it's, like, at the end. At the, the, the last verse? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Oh, these things. I caught something else, though. Okay, go ahead and like speak to I it. I caught, um, you will be blessed. Uh, because before this question, oh my God, I was thinking, uh, to keep the peace, I'm like, is it okay to keep your distance from that person? So, like, yeah. But, like, until, like, you said that, I feel like you're uh, missing a like opportunity to be healed. It's like in a way. Yeah, to be blessed. I'm so glad you said that because I totally forgot. I was going to actually ask, how many of you want to be blessed in here? Okay, almost everybody. (laughs) Almost everybody. Um, I, I think everybody wants to be blessed in this room. According to this, we need to do these things in order to be blessed. Um, What are these things? Because you're absolutely right. There is blessing that comes from the Lord when we do these things. So it's really important that we understand what these things are. And by the response, I think we're struggling even to know what these things are. What are these things? We We should be lighting this up right now. What are these things? I think he showed grace and, and, and patience. And yeah. we definitely, as Christians, need to be showing grace to others and have patience. And um, I think that was part of that. Okay, That's grace, what I get from there. patience, the humility. Submitting ourselves, okay, making yourself lower than others, okay. On a consistent basis, I love it.
I'm just a visitor here, so thanks for letting me come in. I appreciate it. Thanks that. for grabbing the mic, Tim. I appreciate uh, it. There's two things here that uh, Jesus is saying. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. But he set an example that uh, we're not greater than our master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And we have to remember that as we give our testimony, as we live our life, as we do our work, whatever it is, and people are looking at us all day long. And so part of that is uh, there's two things there. Uh, do unto others that you would have them do unto you. That's wash my feet, wash your feet. And then the other one is, is you just, uh, there's, because there's so many different gifts and ministries within the body of Christ, we're all parts of a whole body, toes, fingers, hair, you know, some of us are stronger than other parts and that kind of thing. So, uh, therefore, no messenger, you know, the messenger is not greater than the one who sent him, and uh, no servant is greater than his master. Those are the two things that we should really remember, if I'm understanding your question properly. Yes. And that uh, we have to set an example, the same example that Jesus set for each and every one of his disciples, and he set for us by being willing to lay down his life for not just one person, but for everybody in the whole world. Love it. And so those are the things that I see out of your question. Love it. And the scripture. Great answer. Thank you for coming and being bold to grab the mic. Um, and to sum up, absolutely, what one of the things that I want to communicate to everybody here is this. Um, we have been called to do this to one another, and we are called to follow the example of our leader, and our leader, Jesus, humbled himself and served in such a way. I think, oh man, please receive this in the heart that is given. I think the church in the world today has done a terrible job in this. If we really understood this, we would never need childcare workers, we would never need nursery workers, we would never need people to serve on teams um, because we would have an understanding that I have been given a piece and a part to play and we all make up the body of Christ and we need to all operate in that. Unfortunately, what the mindset has become is that I come to church to get. I come to get refreshed. I come to get some word. I come to get more information. I come, I come to receive, receive. We come with our hands wide open to say, give me, give me, give me, give me. And very rarely do we come into a church ready to go, where do you need me? I get occasionally somebody will walk in the door and go, hey, anything you need me to do? But very rarely on a week in and week out basis do I get that. And it's not, I, I get it. It's a pattern that we've established. It's something that has happened. In my opinion, maybe part of that is because we have gotten to this place where a guy stands on a pulpit and speaks for 40 minutes and we, we don't get to exercise that. We don't get to practice that. Church, this is one of the reasons why we're doing this is so that we can have our eyes open to this stuff and we can begin to realize that a healthy church is one where every part is alive, active, and moving in that church. Oh, that would have been a really good, amen, Pastor Dan, what, you know. I, but, but we struggle with this. We absolutely struggle with it. I get it, I totally get it, I totally understand that. Um, but I would just challenge you, these things is to serve in the way that Jesus served and to come and understand what he's calling us to. And it's, 
It's more than just coming in and getting fed. It's more than that, church. And next, next time we get together, the first week in April, we're gonna break apart this same scripture again through the empowered pillar. Because my hope is that if you ever find yourself in a position where we read this scripture again, that um, there would be an excitement about how much we can serve one another. You know, and, and the fact that as we read this and we see what Jesus did for us that we want to go, oh my gosh, this is exactly how I want to do this. And I think there's uh, an empowered empowerment that God wants to give us to actually understand this and operate in this. Um, no condemnation. I, there's, there's, I'm not trying to guilt anybody in this. Do you, do you know how most churches, uh, we talked about this as a teaching team and I'll finish with this. Do you know how most churches ask for volunteers? They either pull somebody up here to tell a story that totally tugs at your heart and manipulates you into serving. Yes? They pay people to serve. Or they have some message that is just so, just filled with the guilt and with the kind of condemnation. Have you ever been, as a pastor, giving you some um, you know, back room conversations. One of the biggest struggles in a pastoral team is how do we encourage people to get involved? How do we get people um, to, to support what we're feeling like God is calling to do in our community and do those things? And, and for 25 years, it has been a, DJ, it's been a struggle. Kim, Kim, I mean, it's just been a struggle to figure out how to do that. Jordan, uh, we have conversations about this. It's just, it's just a struggle. Um, and so, I need your help. For the next two weeks as we prepare and process this, I would love to hear your thoughts on how do you get a group of people to enter into the roles that God has purposed and planned for everybody in, in that body. And I feel like we do a really good job here. I actually feel like we really have a really good team. I mean, right before COVID, we actually had a volunteer appreciation and we couldn't do it in this building because we had so many people helping out. We had to do the, the um, fairgrounds. It was amazing. But how do, we, how do we stir that in people's hearts? And I believe there's a piece that comes from just an empowerment uh, but I would love to hear, maybe I'm wrong. I, maybe I would love to hear from your perception. What has been your perception of how churches have asked for volunteers? How has it made you feel? What, what, what has been successful and what are you like, oh my gosh, nope. Um, because I know that from church leadership structure, we're, we're not all of a, always perfect or, or good at that stuff as well. So, all right, I, I digress. I didn't plan to say any of that, so I, I need to move on. But uh, I hope that... Um, that the Lord has challenged you, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you this week. First, that you are so loved that he would serve you. You have direct access to this king, not an angry king, but a king that loves you, that he would serve you. And the second thing is that as you engage with that understanding, that you would realize that God has called you to serve others, to come along and do what he did for us, and to... Um, Ask him, what does that look like? And so maybe a prayer thing for this week would be, what are these things for you specifically? And let the Holy Spirit speak that to you. So Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you. God, I thank you for this example that you 
uh, have given to us in your son washing the disciples' feet. And Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be a story that we are disconnected from, that we are away from. But Lord, I pray that as we read it, that it would be a story that you draw us into and help us to see the practical applications in our life each and every day. And so Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, as we leave this place, as we go into this next week, that you would ruminate in our heart and our mind uh, that idea of what these things are. Because every single one of us in this room want to be blessed. I have no doubt of that. So speak to us, Lord, individually what these things are to us. And Lord, may we be bold and confident and step out in obedience to the things that you speak to us and help us to do that. Um, Help us to just follow where you are going. God, I pray against anybody that would make up things that they feel like they have to do because it's not about what we do. It's about us following where you are leading. So lead us into these things. And so, Lord, we thank you for that in your name. Amen.